0: I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.
3: I, I I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, right. Were you an employee or are you now? I, I a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and... And I, I've kind of been running across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna um they'll triangulate on this position really really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um okay well what, what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um the space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim to be.
4: Hello and welcome to the finale of Series 8 of I Could Murder a Podcast, episode number 18. (laughs) And sitting across from me is the uh, effortlessly eager, extravagant, eccentric explainer, egotistical, evasive elf, Ben Carter.
2: Wow, exceptional. Are we we going backwards through the alphabet then? I was expecting G. I thought that as well, yeah. Good, gifted, generous gorgeous oh god i don't know why i've got how'd i go that way then i fucked up <laughs> it's all right i've just done the g's for you anyway it's all good okay let me do it again no let's keep this in no it's good <laughs> another g gimpy oh here he is uh, i'm uh, keeping uh, all of this one cheers thank you
4: g- gorpin, gorpin. gaping gaping's good no it's not okay. um oh god pressure um <laughs> this is gonna be good mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good letter, isn't it? <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Uh, very rookie era for me there. Maybe it's the excitement of the you know, the finale. But anyway, uh, sitting across from me is the giddy, gimpy gremlin, gaping, gooey, gurgling, greedy gladiator, Ben Carter. Hey, man. Greedy gladiator, yeah. Um, love the gym. The gooey, gaping,
2: uh, greedy gladiator. I uh, know, doing really well. Thank you, doing really well. Love the energy for the finale. Um, what a season it's been, eh? What a season. <laughs> Eighteen. When did we start this? What May? I couldn't tell you. I mean, it, it, it's a long time since we were in Paris. It was indeed. Yeah, it feels feels like almost another life ago. So yeah, we started the series back in June. It's now almost November, and uh, whew, what a series, eh? How are we doing, producer Dan?
0: Excellent, actually. Um, yeah. I can't believe we've made it eighteen episodes, uh, of which I have to say, probably if I do say so myself, it's our best series ever. I feel Ooh. really, I feel really good about it. Really happy and content. It's a very
4: like good array of cases. I think um, it's a real mixed bag. Some some cases people don't really know much about. Some recent cases. Some you know very infamous cases. I think we've done a good spectrum this season mm, for sure. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ben said uh, before this series, this this was the most daunting series he found. So uh, I think yeah, it's got a, a lot going for it.
2: Definitely. And we've had some some very dark, very bleak cases along the way. So for me, uh, we we did a Uh, As a part of our audience vote episode being the Lucy Letby case last week, we actually decided to change our finale and uh, I feel like this is one that we can, um, well, although there are some some nasty elements involved, I think we can probably approach this in a slightly lighter regard which i'm excited for it does feel like it's been quite a heavy series but really happy with how it's gone down
4: yeah for sure i think after last week a little pellet cleanser for the series and we it's we sometimes like to end the series on a bit of a mystery or we don't tend to end the series on open shut cases anyway we like to discuss and kind of like theorize so uh, this week in particular i think it's uh it's probably the the vaguest yeah <laughs> not as in vegas the vaguest uh the um, finale but it's one that i think we can have a lot of fun with
2: yeah absolutely and it's one that's quite close to our producer's heart um he was uh, very on the ball when i sent him some some sound bites he knew who it was and what they'd been up to and stuff he no- he probably knows more than us which i'm i'm excited for
0: i'm i'm really excited for today because i i bloody love aliens um i i want to believe i am a believer said the monkeys but um
4: yeah it's yeah well that's good i mean dan feel free to obviously dip in as much as much as you like especially if this if it's topic you're more more aware of than us i mean we gave a little clue last week with, with this little audio hint hey mom, the of course that's blink 182 uh, aliens exist for anyone who, who did get it congratulations uh so yes this is the finale of the series um but if you do miss us whilst we're gone be sure to check out our website icmop.co.uk where we have around about 135 extra episodes minisodes over there audio and visual for as little as 150 a month which is new tier we've introduced uh you can get access to many a episode
2: Absolutely. And there's some fun episodes on there as well. We're going to be doing a Halloween special, a bonfire special. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you over there. We also have a new line of merch out, don't we? The, uh, the sunny side up range, um, which is, yeah, it's gone down very well so far. So yeah, head over to the website, icmap.co.uk and we'll hopefully see you there. But this week's case, oh, it's a biggie. It's a finale. The dark side of Area 51. Uh, also referred to. I mean, there we could have gone with about twenty different titles for this week: the Area Fifty-One conspiracies, the mysteries of Area Fifty-One, why so secretive? In a bit more of a Joker voice, uh, the Area Fifty-One case, and what is known and not known of Area Fifty-One. God. Don't rate my Joker there at all.
4: No, um, there's also uh, also the dark side of Dreamland because people like to call Area Fifty One Dreamland, which are, yes. which always is quite a bit unnerving. But um, yeah, it's one which I'm sure some people listening to this love aliens. Some people maybe don't know too much about them. But there's lots to digest and lots of different aspects we can look into. So excited to share that with you guys.
2: Yeah, I'm sure there's many sceptics in the house as well. So shout out to the sceptics. It's going to be a fun episode for everyone. Just a quick disclaimer, we probably should cover ourselves um, uh, regarding, obviously, the context of today's case. Uh, The views and information that we will now present to you regarding Area 51, aliens, UFOs and other conspiracies are based entirely on conjecture, folklore, witness testimony and a multitude of documented sources. It's got to sound very official, don't I?
4: Yeah, I don't know why are scared of who you think we're gonna upset him? Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not, not scared it? of it. Not scared no. of anyone or upsetting so anyone. Do. Just so covering our asses. We're just
4: we're just saying what we think and we're talking about other people's uh, recollections of it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And our, our views are our own guys, so just ease off a bit, you know? PS aliens exist. You're terrified. Don't I'm a bit shaky, it. aren't I? We'll be fine. Well let's get me out of here and let's hand over to our producer Dan to set the scene. Thanks very much, Ben. Let
0: me read the script for you. Secluded deep within the southern Nevada desert lies a facility that has posed more questions than answers over the last 70 years. Enigmatic and shrouded in a world of secrecy, this infamous military installation's official narrative suggests that Area 51 is an expansive testing ground for classified aircraft and technology. However... Only a minority seem to buy into this information, with a vast and growing realm of conspiracy theories being born, clandestine government operations, weaponry and technology of non-human origin, the cadavers or captives of other life forms, as well as alleged extraterrestrial encounters have long surrounded the mystery of the facility. From claims of reverse engineering alien technology to unexplained phenomena witnessed in the classified vicinity, today we navigate the mysteries, secrets and controversies that have cast Area 51 into the spotlight of the paranormal and the unexplained. We ask you to join us as we unravel the cryptic tales and unveil the elusive truths of the dark side of Area 51.
4: Aliens! As always, a quote to start us off. This week, it comes from the very recent UFO whistleblower and former US Air Force intelligence officer, Mr. David Charles Grouche, who for clarity does have many, many critics and sceptics.
0: If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and the safety issue this topic represents. If UFOs are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are a growing concern for flight safety. The American people and the rest of the world deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue mm.
2: so I think yeah, I think that that'll be a theme in this week 's episode. People that claim to have uh, experiences, encounters or intelligence of um, other life forms will do so, having their own critics and people that are, are skeptical of their of their statements. But also, I think they all seemed to, to be very forthcoming with wanting to appear in the media and make appearances on various platforms. Um, I found that with uh, with this one for sure. But in terms of Area Fifty One, what what did we all think before actually researching this episode? Because I had no idea about some of it. I had I, I was really ignorant. It was essentially X Files and independence day and a little bit of american dad which i don't even think is i think he's cia isn't he not even yeah. area 51 just alien in it
0: good morning usa
4: and you like the uh, the aliens and toy story yes there you go so don't sure. beat yourself up too much thank you very um, much but yeah but, are you, but just going back on your point about saying that they're very quick to put themselves in from the media is that not because they're whistleblowing and they want to get their word out as much as possible isn't that part of the uh the
2: mo uh, i think i think so certainly if they're if they're going ahead and providing some sort of testimony, but there are other other ways to do it rather than doing like a circuit of different media appearances, interviews with magazines, television appearances, newspaper articles. I think, well, I found with some of the ones we're going to talk about, they were very media friendly and media savvy. Um, and some of them obviously went off to start businesses based around that as well. So I, I don't know. Um, obviously, I'm coming in quite sceptical, but um, there are other things that make me question other elements of Area 51 as well. So I'm, I'm I'm probably going to find myself somewhere on the fence.
4: That's a shock. Uh, I'll surprise you. Just caught on the barbed wire. Kill me! Um <laughs> But yeah, in terms of what I thought beforehand, listen to, well, it's kind of been muddied a little bit by doing research now as well. But um I think they probably have put things out there for people to question it and then get some the uh, legends behind it to hide actually probably what they're actually doing at Area 51 I think that's probably part of it um, but then same time it's like it's strange because if they're not doing anything that's worth talking about there then they would just go yeah well it's just this and showcase mm-hmm. it so obviously I think it's this it's more towards the angle that Area 51 is used to develop weapons of war and they basically like to peddle the myth and the legend of aliens being there but the thing, weird thing about doing that is you're kind of inviting people to be more interested about the space. Yeah. So why not say, "Oh, we're just trying to create, you know, the next rice pudding," you know, something that's <laughs> boring, uh, or in you know, Lucy Letby, a vanilla bitch. No, but um, if you, it's, it's, I don't know why you would make it so intriguing by picking probably one of the most like, if people were like, oh, if aliens are there, then we should, we want to know more. Mm-hmm. So it's not a great way of keeping a secret. But um, Dan you mean you're a bit more schooled in the the world of aliens what, what what's your premise coming into this
0: well I think they are they are very secretive on this matter and and, and they do lock it down but I think like you said it's simply to do with um, technology uh, advancement with uh, war and weaponry however I do believe um, there is something out there that we perhaps do not know and the government does um but also i am on the side of they will use stories like this uh you know ufo sightings and whatnot to distract people massively from uh current affairs definitely
4: i mean I, obviously with that recent news with the um the bodies and cadavers of aliens being brought out i mean yeah it is it, it's, it's a very interesting one they definitely you know the media's, you know big on that don't they say so oh look over here aliens and then pass some laws, which a lot of people will be very upset
2: with.
0: And every time I look.
2: (laughs) So before we jump into kind of the background and development of Area 51, what we're going to do is quickly go through a few of the most common beliefs uh, surrounding Area 51. And some of them are, yeah, some of them are very outlandish, but some of them uh, I could kind of see happening. Uh, And uh, yeah, Dan's going to, Dan's going to talk us through them. Number one. It is
0: simply a US military base, which is home to the research, testing and development of highly advanced Air Force weapon systems and military aircraft, as well as a US Air Force training facility. This is very much in line with its current label as a classified US Air Force facility slash military base. Number two, it is actually all underground and it houses numerous crashed UFO spacecrafts, as well as the cadavers and potentially living captors of the alien life forms found in the vehicles. They are using this to research and conduct experiments leading to the reverse engineering of the technology. Number three, it is a facility used to host secret committee dealings, gatherings and meetings that will ultimately lead to the formation of a singular world government or the Majestic 12 organisation, and possibly also hosts meetings with extraterrestrial beings. Number four, it is a classified facility with several scientific aims to include the development of teleportation, time travel, weather control exotic energy weapons and propulsion systems. Number five, it is a location used to research, develop and test nuclear weapons, as well as highly advanced weapons of mass destruction and remote operated drones capable of chemical and complete warfare. And finally, perhaps it is a purely scientific black site facility used for the development of advanced and highly classified technologies relating to national security, to include the development of advanced weaponry and non-human soldiers or Is it something else?
2: So yeah, plenty to choose from there. And obviously we're going to explore each of those theories in more detail in this episode. Um, I think straight away, one thing that stood out to me is on the old Google Maps, extraterrestrial highway uh, surrounds the facility, which I don't think that was uh, particularly helpful in in leading itself to to, uh, many conspiracy theories.
4: Do you think they they named it after the... uh The link? Or do you think that's just a coincidence?
2: I think it was named after the link, but (laughs) I don't think it's been helpful. So what we're going to do is go through a bit of a background on Area 51 and how it all came to be, uh, before moving into a timeline of incidents, controversies, encounters, mysteries and conspiracies over the last several decades, taking us through to current date. There's also... Uh, Not only the extraterrestrial highway, there's also a lot of interesting locations to talk about this week, which I think will definitely be a a mood lightener, given how dark some of the recent cases have been. We've got Homie Airport, Groom Lake, Cockeyed Ridge, Papoose Mountain, Tickaboo Valley, Norris's Reach, Carter's Crevice, and Lambert's Quarry. Interesting places,
4: aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt like I got away lightly there.
2: Yeah, it's nice, and it sounds quite pleasant. Norris's Reach. Yeah. Like yeah. an open valley. Norris's Reach. Settle here. I can imagine um
4: it's like very eggy in the air. sulfur. Mm. Yeah. Carter's
2: crevice. Oh <laughs> Yeah. A bit sulfury, like the- Yeah. Yeah. I think most crevices, nah, none of them are, are they? Um, Lambert's Quarry, probably haunted. I'm a big fan of a quarry, actually. Yeah, Yeah, thought you'd like that. Yeah, you both got off lightly, didn't you? I put myself there. (laughs) Anyway, let's jump into the origin of Area 51.
4: The origins of Area 51 date all the way back to the 1940s and early 1950s, during the Cold War era. This was a time when America was facing numerous challenges and feeling uncharacteristically vulnerable, having recently returned from World War II and very recently entering the Cold War. Though the Area 51 site itself, initially referred to as Groom Lake uh, or Homey Airport and Paradise Ranch, would not be properly established until 1955. And as you'll come to find as a theme in this week's episode, its roots lay somewhat shrouded in mystery.
2: And secrecy. So yeah, at the time, obviously there were well about a decade before had been the Pearl Harbor attacks. They'd been involved in World War Two, and um, the Vietnam War was sh- was just around the corner, and the Cold War had just started. So there's a lot lot of wars going on. But I think to link back to what you and Dan said around the secrecy of needing to keep your weaponry and technology and intelligence private and not out as public knowledge. Um, makes complete sense to me and that's something that will kind of flow through the rest of the episode why would you want your enemies to know the technology and weaponry that you have available what you're working on and yeah very much a sign of the times was that they were spying on one another um america and the soviet union and this is kind of pushing the formation of area 51 and i yeah i had no idea it it was happening at such a, a dramatic time for america
4: yeah, there's a lot going on there in regards to yeah what's going on with America and you can ima- you can understand why they'd have this little secret space to actually uh, yeah come up with ideas. Dan did say to me once before he thought Area 51 was like a kind of halo map and they were using all the halo weaponry and I was like okay Dan, I hung up on him and just needed some space. But um, yeah throughout June and July of 1947 America found itself not only embroiled in the initiation of the Cold War but perhaps as a ripple effect of this the country experienced its first ever Flying Disc Craze. The great flying disc craze of 47.
2: It's not frisbee golf either, uh, before people start thinking of that.
4: Yeah, I was thinking of. uh, Was it extreme frisbee? Froth. Froth. This was a series of more than 800 civilian reports of unidentified flying objects. For, for to be me and you uh, ufos that were apparently disk shaped appearing in the skies all across country but predominantly in rural areas local press dubbed these aircrafts as flying saucers which sensationalized the trend that gave birth to a new wave of fear and paranoia obviously encouraging further reports so yeah when you think when you dissect the word saucer mm. You go, oh, yeah, it's literally, it. in my head, when I thought of flying saucers as a kid, I just always thought of aliens, not actually where the word originated.
2: Yep, so then, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So the media of the time probably didn't help to quash these reports, obviously 800 civilian reports at the start of a year, and instead they decided to kind of cash in on it, as quite quickly a whole host of different sci-fi films, books and magazines were released that appeared to display UFOs and alien life forms. Can we um, read these in movie voices, please? yeah i mean as we learned last week i am not great with voices um but we have uh, in quick succession the flying disc from mars uh, i feel like dan will be good or you'll be good
0: That's oh, all right don't put yourself down come on keep going the
2: flying sorcerer
0: the man from planet x
2: teenagers from outer space the beast with a million eyes the invasion of the sorcerer man the war of the worlds All of which, um, yeah, so all of those movies and many, many, many dozen more um, were released uh, throughout the early 50s, which either depicted UFOs, alien invaders or supernatural extraterrestrial entities.
4: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Um, and yeah, America and the wider world. And um, there were so many hundreds of movies with interesting names. We've just cherry picked a few here, but the, the, the wider world in America absolutely ate this up. <laughs> and all it did was spread the message that maybe, uh, maybe there's something out there of a different form. Do you not think there is something out there in a different form, Ben? Um, I I believe in aliens more than I believe in ghosts. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. Well, it is an answer, but it doesn't answer your question. Just
0: life in general. Do you think there's life out there?
2: Oh, I think yes. And I I, I if I guess it sounds bad if I can disregard aliens, but say I believe in like um, alternate dimensions and other other planets,
0: infinite universes.
2: Yeah, I be, I would believe in that.
0: Yeah. Um. Um. What kind of music do aliens listen to?
2: Is this a joke? Is it a riddle? No. Nah. Oh. oh, people fuming. No riddle and let be.
4: I know. <laughs> One person. It's easy. It's it's cute. Mars attacks. Of Mars Volta. That's
0: a film. Neptune's. Neptune's. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Mars Volta is a band.
2: Neptune's. Oh. Okay. Very good. Very, I don't good. To say, very good. very good. At the same time, many people believe that these objects they were suddenly seeing uh, sneaking into the American airspace were that of a Soviet persuasion. A decade earlier in 1941, as we mentioned, America had been completely caught off guard by the surprise attacks of the Japanese on Pearl Harbor. So the attack itself killed over 2,400 US military personnel, as well as 68 civilians, and it destroyed or significantly damaged 19 US Navy ships, including eight primary battleships. Primary battleships, big battleships, a lot of damage. Japan had been surveying America for at least 11 months prior to the attacks. Uh, And yeah, many people now believe that Russia was doing the same, and the Roswell incident splashed fuel on an already blazing fire. During
4: one evening in early July of 1947, several civilians in and around Roswell, New Mexico, reported seeing shining lights in the skies that were accompanied by the sight of dish-shaped objects moving swiftly in a northwesterly direction, followed by the sounds of an explosion. The following morning, sheep rancher Mac Brazel, which is a great name, rode out on horseback, which of course Mac would do that, across his ranch in order to move some of the sheep from one field to another. What Mac found would change his life forever. And Mac actually wrote a book. Um, Yeah. Uh, Mac observed the strange smoking... uh, Mac observed... hmm? What's his book? It's called Mac Book. Mac observed their strange... For fuck's sake. Mac observed a strange smoking debris in the back end of one of his fields. Within the smoke were various sized chunks of metal and rubber, as well as other shiny metallic panels. They looked a lot like tinfoil, scattered amongst the ranch. To all appearances, some form of aircraft had crash-landed, with no pilots present, alive or dead. Mac had heard sounds similar to that of an explosion the night before. However, he put it down to a very heavy rainstorm, which I've never heard a rainstorm. that Well, I guess thunder. Yeah, you do. Thunder sounds exactly like a big explosion. Yeah. Mac, <laughs> fair play to you, Mac. Sorry, bud. Um, it's important to note that Roswell is actually 688 miles southeast of Area 51. The two areas would form a unique and fairly murky
2: relationship. Yeah, I've been to Roswell. I've completely forgot about that. But I thought I'd been there in, like, off-season because it was completely dead. But I was there in a June, which I figure was kind of a busy season. Got an alien cheese toasty. Um, but it was empty. They've There's very... I don't want to offend anyone from Roswell. It's very tacky, so obviously I liked it.
0: What made the cheese toastie alien?
2: He ate it with his ass. <laughs> 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 yeah, ate it backwards. Um, no, it was basically had the crusts cut off and it put through like an alien. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a uh, shaper, not a shaper. Cut oh, it just looked look like a UFO. C- cookie yeah, 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 yeah. It's it looked- really
0: cute. How old were you when you went to
2: Roswell? <laughs> like 24. All right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, would But you know, a toastie's good every now and then, or a grilled cheese. They should
4: have frisbeed it to you on a, a flying saucer. That would have been a bit That more would have been very cool. Theater. Yeah.
2: It looked like a big space invader crisp.
0: What drink do aliens like to drink? Um, Seven Up. There's no clever. Answer for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> ben? Ben?
2: Iron. Ooh, like, like the Toy Story? Ooh, the Claw. Go on, down.
0: Grab a tea.
4: Oh,
2: there you go. Got okay, you. these are equally.
4: Ben, any other points in this? If you've had a toasty, there, just let us know. The uh, local press. Will eventually... I went,
2: well, sorry, I went to the actual oh, the sorry. Alien Museum yeah. as well.
4: I love how you started that like, by going. I think
2: it was off season, but then it was actually June, but it was still quiet, so it was off. I just seen. It struck me as why are there not more people here? it was really dead. Hmm. Like they had traffic lights have all got aliens instead of colours. Well, still colours were there. Sorry, aliens the instead colors of signal colours. You're, you're yeah. not going to be the one to ask. But. No, exactly. Well, I'm sure they were. Maybe um, the bread was but, green and you didn't know. Well, that would have explained how I felt the next morning. But um, yeah, no, it was just dead. It was really dead. It was on the way. We were driving through Texas and it was on the way. So we're like, oh, let's stop in Roswell. And... Honestly, yeah, I, w- w- I don't recommend it. Two thumbs down from Carl. I wouldn't go as far as I, just, I, I didn't have a good time. Maybe that's the company. The local press were
4: eventually contacted, and Mac didn't have a phone, so he had to travel several miles to the nearest tavern to raise the alarm. The Roswell Daily Record posted the following headline the very next day:
0: "RAAF captures flying saucer in the Roswell region. No details of flying disc are revealed. Roswell hardware man and wife report disc was seen." More flying saucers seen as men of science ponder serious angles. Man, that's a headline. Did do really <laughs> want to read the story after. Okay, you've kind of, t- kind of told me everything there. The article would state the following. The many rumours regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the Intelligence Office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers in the Sheriff's Office of Chavez County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time he was able to contact the sheriff's office.
2: The American government and military were quick to explain that the quote flying disc was actually the wreckage of a high altitude weather balloon. However, the damage to the public's fear and paranoia was already done. With many people believing that this was an attempt of a cover-up, so yeah, this Mac um, sounds lovely. I think he liked to talk. I think he definitely liked to talk down the tavern. Um, high-ranking members of the U.S. Army were interviewed, and they had the following to say on their findings. They a lot to say, down
0: Yeah, it looks yeah. like it. <laughs> <laughs> the balloon which held it up, if that's how it worked, must have been twelve feet long. The rubber was smoky grey in colour and scattered over an area of about 200 yards in diameter. When the debris was gathered up, the tinfoil, paper, tape and sticks made a bundle of about 3 feet long and 7 or 8 inches thick, while the rubber made a bundle of about 18 or 20 inches long and about 8 inches thick. In all, he estimated the entire lot would have weighed maybe 5 pounds. There was no sign of any metal in the area which might have been used for an engine. And no sign of any propellers of any kind, although at least one paper fin had been glued onto some of the tin foil. There were no words to be found anywhere on the instrument, although there were letters on some of the parts. Considerable scotch tape and some tape with flowers printed upon it had been used in the construction. No strings or wires were to be found, but there were some eyelets in the paper to indicate that some sort of attachment may have been used. It was likely a weather balloon, or an attempted hoax.
2: So, yeah, I mean, from describing that, that's vastly different from Max's smoky debris. <laughs> but that is that's very, very different to what Max stumbled upon. Um, and again, this could be them covering it up saying, you know, it sounds like a school project with the m- items that they've used to make it. But he's saying that, no, I found metal. I found rubber. It was smoking. It was a big explosion. I mean, that you would you even hear that hit the ground from how he's described it? It would just be like a.
4: Mm. yeah no yeah from the sound of things it sounds yeah one of those red bull competitions when people try and fly (laughs) up the thames
2: photos were also released of the incident to back these claims up though many believe this was an attempt of a cover-up with mac and his other ranch hands claiming that they were certain that a majority of the aircraft was made up of metal and rubber was it the soviets was it alien life forms Or was it simply a hoax from the general public? Regardless of what the facts are and what the government believed, America knew that it had to act. And so they began to scout for a site where they could have complete privacy, complete security and complete secrecy. The US government, as well as the US military, conducted a series of rigorous searches to find a suitable location, uh, which is where they would establish a top secret research base. Uh, For them, the location needed to be remote, secure and easily controlled. And the Groom Lake area of Southern Nevada, which is located about 83 miles northwest of Las Vegas, was selected due to its isolation and proximity to the Nevada test and training range. Uh, And this is where they would go on to hold a a huge number of nuclear and atomic bomb testing. And I I remember it was either the movie Casino or the movie Goodfellas, where they talk about the origins of Vegas becoming like a, a, a tourist attraction city. Um, They used to take people, like, uh, uh, at a safe distance to observe some of these uh, bombs being tested. And, yeah, this Groom Lake site uh, that they had selected was initially six miles by ten miles and was initially referred to as Homie Airport. (laughs) Homie! But it would later expand to be uh, an area of 23 by 25 miles in order to uh, apparently protect its security perimeters, maintaining the official name of Homey Airport. Um, So there were several reasons why they selected this area. Um, Groom Lake itself was kept so secret that it would not actually be photographed until the late 60s. Um, The lake itself had completely dried up and was now a salt flat, which apparently made for excellent runways due to it being so silky smooth. Um, Great weather almost all year round which uh, apparently makes for great flying and it was also notoriously remote and hard to get to by foot Uh, so essentially if you were in that area you would see people approaching you before they saw you it's also difficult to spy on due to it being isolated several miles from the restricted area perimeter fencing and it's also then the further out you go surrounded by mountains and valleys and and some crevices uh, which again protects it and makes it difficult to disrupt
4: According to the CIA, the name Area 51 comes from its map designation. However, this is not believed by many. It's also believed to have been named from an Atomic Energy Commission's number and grid. However, that number is not officially on the system, only adjacent to the number 15. It was also previously referred to as Paradise Ranch, in order to make the facility sound more attractive to those that would be essentially working in the middle of nowhere. Paradise Ranch was then eventually shortened to The Ranch, and other nicknames include Watertown and Dreamland. Many would continue to refer to it simply as the Groom Lake facility and the Groom Box.
2: I also thought if you were one of those workers that had been flown in to help build it, and then you, you, you're you're sold on the idea that it's Paradise Ranch and you're going to be here, and then it gets changed to the Ranch, and you're quite like a sassy worker. You know,
4: well, where'd all the paradise go? Cut that! What the sassy ranch person say?
2: He Didn't say anything. He wasn't. He wasn't in the episode. Where did all the don't, paradise go?
4: Please don't put that. Where please did don't all the paradise that. go? Don't no, it's to stay. What happened to all my paradise? There you go. Double that. Double down. Oh, on no. it. <laughs> so Area 51's construction was an entirely covert operation. Uh, engineers and construction workers were brought in from different parts of the country under extremely strict security protocols, and the base's existence was kept classified. Area 51 initially consisted of a small airstrip, a few hangars, and administrative buildings. Over time, as we mentioned, the base expanded significantly to accommodate the testing and development of cutting-edge aircraft, weaponry, communications technology and other classified projects.
2: As we mentioned, the primary reason for the establishment of Area 51 was the need for a highly secure and isolated location for the testing and development of advanced aircraft and weapon systems, particularly for reconnaissance purposes. During the early years of the Cold War, the United States faced a pressing need to gather intelligence about the Soviet Union and their potential arsenal high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft were needed in order to fly over Soviet territory and collect vital information. But they needed to be able to do this without being intercepted by Soviet aircraft or spotted by Soviet radar. And that was a thing as well. When the Roswell incident occurred, parts of the government and military, although some of them were sold on the idea that it was just a weather balloon, other people thought they assumed that maybe that was a Soviet aircraft.
0: How do you get an alien to sleep? Uh, um, um um
2: just lullaby, lullaby um rocket that's good that's better in 1955 the area was selected by the cia as a testing site for the lockheed u2 a high altitude reconnaissance aircraft then president dwight d eisenhower authorized the testing which was to be conducted under the code name project aquatone which is quite nice, isn't it? Aquatone in the desert. After the U-2 was put into service in 1956, Area 51 was then used to develop another similar highly advanced aircraft, uh, and actually a whole series of different aircrafts, including the A-12 reconnaissance plane, also known as Oxcart, the SR-71 Blackbird, and the stealth fighter F-117 Nighthawk.
0: Bloody love the Nighthawk, it's so sick.
2: You like it? Yes. Yeah, Have you so done it on your simulator? Sick. No. Can you get them that fast probably yeah nice these aircraft would become critical for intelligence gathering during the cold war and the american military government and even members of the cia were now essentially running covert spy plane programs at area 51 they also wanted to be able to capture soviet aircrafts in order to study them and their technology in case a full-blown war broke out so when uh, this group of people were first looking for a site for the testing of the Lockheed U2, it was almost as if Area 51 presented itself to them, with the designer of the Lockheed, Kelly Johnson, making the following observation. And he also used an exclamation that we've, we've not heard uh, in the podcast, which I feel needs uh, Dan to probably voice it in a slightly more sort of CIA kind of way.
0: A CIA way, okay.
2: yeah, <clears throat> like, your, like your police officer from Caved. Uh, AI the
0: UK. we flew over it and within 30 seconds you know that was the place it was perfect it was right by the dry lake man alive we looked at that lake and we all looked at each other it was like another Edwards Air Force Base so we wheeled around landed on that lake taxied up (laughs) fuck me taxied up to one end of it it was a perfect neutral landing field as smooth as a billiard table without anything being done to it
2: Man alive! Yeah, man alive, man alive. That's, I've not heard that in you know, ages. Soon, locals in the area would spot strange
4: things in the air, whilst hearing very loud, very unfamiliar noises. As well as this, local pilots noticed strange lights in the skies. This is where the speculation continued to range regarding UFOs and aliens. On top of this, Air Force pilots from Area 51 conducted experiments wherein they dropped dummies from planes. Dummies had shiny latex skin and aluminium bones in order to analyse how pilots might survive falls from the sky. That's interesting.
2: Imagine one of them landing in your garden.
4: As these experiments were occurring not long after the Roswell incident, this only fuelled the conspiracies from locals. They were also working on the highly classified project Mogul at the time, developing high-tech air balloons not too dissimilar to the one found in Roswell. And because the government wouldn't say anything about this or outright deny it, rumours quickly began to run rampant. As the rumours grew, so too did the establishments not too far away from Area 51 trying to cash in on the alien and UFO conspiracy theory phenomena. All along the extraterrestrial highway were gift shops, restaurants, motels, and even a brothel. Yeah, ben, how much did you pay to bang that alien?
2: I just had a cheese toastie shaped like an alien's head. I didn't do any of that.
4: Mm, okay. Just west of Area 51 lies the Alien Cath House Brothel, a science fiction-themed brothel 90 miles from north of Las Vegas that was refurbished in the 90s by Dennis Hoff. The brothel features, quote,
2: girls from another world. I did um, just check the Google reviews for you, obviously... It's kind of my thing now, and yeah, 4.2 out of 5. brothels. Just Google reviews, (laughs) different companies. Um, Yeah, the Alien Cat House brothel. 4.2 out of 5. Not got any reviews with me. Would you go again? I don't think I got that far. Where do
0: aliens go to study? I was thinking high school but but that's really high school, isn't it? It's, it's
2: high bad. school.
0: Universities. Yeah.
2: Oh university. Yep. Clever. Over the next Thank few you. decades Over the next few decades, the military and government then went on a bit of a rampage of acquiring land in the area. And strangely, a lot of Nevada is now actually or has slowly become Federal land. Uh, Yeah, on this, there's a really interesting story about the Sheehan family, who were basically a family who owned a silver mine called Groom Mine. Uh, And their ancestors had been working the mines mining for silver, lead, copper, zinc, and a small amount of gold since the 1880s. And as a result of Area 51 kind of being developed not too far from their mines, all of their mining activities were halted for 60 years through fears that they would cause some kind of damage to the site, which is their land, surely. So the family were approached by the American Air Force to buy the land from them uh, as recently as 2015, uh, where they were offered 5.2. Million dollars, and despite the fact that the family hadn't been able to, um, you know, operate their mines for for sixty years, they rejected the offer, saying that there was more than five point two million dollars worth of silver in the topsoil alone. However, the Air Force eventually brought in the government to seize the mine under eminent domain, um, which basically means, look, it's a risk to national security if you keep this property. Um, uh, there are other reasons they can run. That uh, that claim, uh, and the family ended up getting just one point two million dollars being paid in compensation. So that's that's sneaky, isn't it? That's a fucker, that is. Yeah, it's always money in the banana stand. Uh, that's what I want to know as well. Would would the government then have mined all of that silver out, or have they just left it? I would. <laughs> big magnet.
4: <laughs> the
2: military. <clears throat> that's, just the mil- big magnet. <laughs> that's just me. Big magnet. That's just me. The military, air force and government continued to expand Area 51 in order to, quote, boost their security perimeter, taking numerous pieces of privately owned land forcefully via eminent domain compulsory purchases and land acquisition. And the media, through films, documentaries, television series, books, magazines and newspapers, which is pretty much the works, continued to sensationalise the idea of extraterrestrial life forms. And I just thought, aliens and that on films, that's interesting
0: on films yeah movies yep this is gonna be good right i'm fucking pumped for this finale isn't it ben carter's interesting facts interesting facts welcome back welcome
2: back um, it's the final episode of the series and perhaps the final bc's ifs ever um there's a lot a lot of mystery here <laughs> who knows
4: he has teased the fact that he doesn't like the competition and um, it
2: just it, what started out as a bit of fun's turned into a pissing contest and it's not and, really my and, thing. and you're pissing all over yourself no, for... no, no 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 and you we're pissing on both of us But what I did, I I went away and I thought, oh, well, this is going to be a very kind of USA episode. We're kind of focusing a lot of our time in Nevada, which is fine. And I wanted to do a bit of research in the UK. But then I thought, you know what? It's a finale, Ben. Let's up our game. So what I've done is scrap that idea. And I've done something I like to call Ben Carter's big fat sci-fi, How High. So here's how it works. Uh, Dan and Tom, I have listed the 10 highest grossing science fiction movies ever made. Uh, and in order to not include um, each separate film of a franchise, I've kind of grouped the franchises together. So if you name one movie from a franchise, I'll tick them off as we go. You get the whole franchise. Um, so I've got 10. So the winner will be whoever has the most out of 10. Uh, by the time I say, halt. who goes there? Uh, which isn't a clue, by the way. But I will give clues as we go on, because once the franchises are out of the way, it does get... Quite tough. No TV series, they're only films, um, and you'd have got the option to resign if you want to resign and give the point to the other person. Um, Does that all make sense? Are you familiar with the rules of Ben Carter's Big Fat Sci Fi How High? Uh, Shall I flip a coin as to who goes first? Dan can go first. Ah, very nice. Right, Dan, over to you. Star Wars. Uh, Number one on the list, 10.2 billion at the time of recording. Wow! Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, it's not on the list. Not oh? at all. No, I thought it would be on there. It's not. Mm, fair. Um, alien? Uh, no, no. Oh, I'm surprised by that. What the f- I'll give you a bit of a clue. Still, think of sci-fi, but not just necessarily all alien-focused. I mean, some of them are very alien-focused, but other ones are a bit more sci-fi in terms of their technology and what they, what they try to do with that technology. Uh... Mm. I'll be back. But he's not there. Oh for
0: f- sake!
2: <laughs> you get two
4: goes now, Tom. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna go for the ones I was gonna go with uh, before. Uh,
2: um, e. T. Yeah, number nine, seven hundred and ninety-three million dollars. Wow! And I'm just gonna guess, going off Dan's answer the other time.
4: Would um, would Star Trek not be in there?
2: No, but that franchise would be up there, wouldn't it? But the f- the film itself, no. But you got E.T., so it's 1-1. One, one. Over to you, Dan. The
0: fucking Terminator's not in it.
2: It's not, it's not. It's, uh, two of them are very recent. Uh, well, actually, one of them, I think, made the most money of any film ever, if that's too big of a clue. Oh, Avatar. Yes. Uh, number five on the list, 2.93 billion. Avatar. So it's 2-1-Dan. Give you another clue. Uh, one of them, they are very much messing with um, technology and DNA. And it all goes a bit wrong. Flubber. <laughs> Jurassic Park. That can't be. I mean, it was Tom's, Tom's go. He said so Flubber. That can't be. It's number two, Jurassic Park, 6.1 billion. Are we counting that as an alien film? It's a sci-fi Science film. Science fiction. Okay.
0: But it's actually science fiction, isn't it? It's not.
2: Yeah. Uh
4: swear, okay. The other ones actually seem to feel fit the actual
2: Jurassic Park sci-fi. Yeah, but that's just not
4: like if you're dinosaurs and aliens, I think they don't really hang out. But mm-hmm.
2: I think this could be a good movie. Men in Black? No. One of them, right? Here's a clue. They're probably fucking ants, isn't it? I'm sure. No, no, I mean, they're all they're all films. You probably there's only one that I've not seen out of all of these. Um one of them we've already kind of talked about in the episode one of them make a lot of kids toys and I've never seen any of the movies it's pure technology
0: make a lot of kids toys and it's pure technology Transformers
2: Transformers Ah, point to Tom he's back in the game free too. number three uh, Transformers 4.5 billion dollars yeah um Blade Runner sorry Dan It's not on the list pathetic yeah (laughs) Um, one of these, you could say, is the most Area Fifty-One film ever made. Ah, oh. it's Tom's well, then Go.
0: Tom. Ah, oh, that's not <laughs> Dan. You can
2: have it if you get it. Independence Day. Yeah, number nine, eight hundred seventeen million dollars. Uh, oh no, that was number eight. Sorry. Uh, so, are we classing that as a Dan win? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the ones that we didn't quite get, uh, number four, this will annoy Tom, The Hunger Games, $3.1 billion. Number six, The Planet of the Apes, $2.5 billion. Number seven, Inception, $836 million. And number 10, this is the one I've not seen, Gravity, $723 million. So uh, scores on the doors, uh, it's 4-2 to producer Dan. Thank you. The sci-fi How High champion of 2023. Brilliant, yeah. Those that deserve it damn honour. Thank you. Cheers and all the best. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Back to the episode.
4: So, throughout this time period, the US government went to great lengths to maintain the secrecy of Area 51. Because, of course, why would they want their enemies or potential enemies to know their own capabilities? A key part of not fighting another world war was, and still is, developing technologies to see what the other side is doing. As a result, the area was surrounded by restricted airspace and was also heavily guarded. It was not accessible to the public and was under 24-hour surveillance. Area 51 employees had to reach the facility by plane, they did this via flying in and out of restricted terminal at McCarran International Airport on one of several unmarked planes permitted to fly through the airspace above. Employees were subject to strict security clearances, and the base's existence was officially denied for several years. Adding to the secrecy and fueling the conspiracies, satellite imagery of the installation was centred until 2018. Which, yeah, that does, does add to it, definitely, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know if... Obviously, they're not just doing things out and about, which is going to be seen by that mm. directly, but... Yeah. Well,
2: with, how, with how big it got as well, surely they would need to employ people, for example, in maybe a slightly lower-skilled role. Like, surely they have a cafeteria, and I think eventually, as we'll go on to discuss, they opened up like a little movie theatre and gym. So, so they'd have to fly in to work. But I guess they live on base for like... Well, mm-hmm. That's true. It's just a lot of... i an open return. the environment, Dan. That's what I'm trying to get at. A lot of air fuel.
4: Jet fuel. I think them doing the nuclear test is probably better for the environment as well, but you didn't seem to say anything about that. But uh, yeah, the information gathered by new and improved surveillance technologies about new innovations with planes and weapons was very important to governments. This meant that both the surveillance information and the technology to get it were closely held national security secrets. Very few people in the government of the US and Soviet Union knew about the secrets from the 1940s all the way up until the end of the Cold War in 1991. The Area 51 perimeter was surrounded by cameras and buried motion sensors, with one former security worker stating,
0: The base knows every Nevada desert tortoise and jackrabbit that hops the fence. It would be aware of a human approaching before the human was aware it was approaching.
4: I've seen, even from our good pal Jack Dean, um, videos where he's at the, the fence of the Area 51 and then you see the white Land Rovers kind of driving up. So they're very hot
2: yeah they see oh, there's like a load of different YouTube videos of people trying to, I watched the Mr. Beast one the other night and it was I, I, just it was so boring but they, they had it was different encounters some guards were friendly and were like you know come on let's get out of here whereas other ones were literally like kicking lines into the ground saying if you cross that I'm going to shoot you such a ranging um, approach good cop bad cop yeah yeah why don't aliens rate Earth
4: Um, because the aliens themselves are out
2: of this world (laughs) because it's not out of this world
0: because it only has one star oh yeah a
2: bit like some google reviews I've seen
4: hmm over the following decades, Area 51 has been subject of numerous conspiracy theories and claims of extraterrestrial activity. While the base's true purpose is purportedly related to military aviation, the secrecy surrounding it has fuelled speculation about unidentified flying objects and extraterrestrial technology. And we are going to explore these conspiracies, mysteries, and controversies as we try to enter the dark side of Area 51.
0: Do, 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 do,
4: do.
2: June 24, 1947 the spark that lit the frenzy that would go on to become the UFO, alien, and extraterrestrial phenomena was first struck when civilian pilot Kenneth Arnold made the bold claim that he had witnessed a string of nine shiny, unidentified flying objects travelling past Mount Rainier at a speed of what he estimated to be a minimum of 1,200 miles per hour. The claims made newspapers across the country, with Kenneth becoming famous overnight, and is often credited, alongside with the uh, the Roswell incident, with being the source source behind the press first using the term flying saucer. This incident would become known as the Kenneth Arnold UFO sighting, and is also credited as being one of the first modern sightings in America, Kenneth claimed. The flying
0: objects were grouped together in a diagonally stepped-down echelon formation stretched out over a distance that he later calculated to be five miles. The objects weaved from side to side like the tail of a Chinese kite, darting through the valleys and around the smaller mountain peaks. They would occasionally flip or bank on their edges in unison as they turned or maneuvered, causing almost blindingly bright or mirror like flashes of light. The encounter gave me an eerie feeling, and although I couldn't be sure, I suspected that I had seen test flights of a new US military aircraft.
2: So, yeah, that's the. It, it, we're going to go through quite a few different encounters here over the last few decades, and with all of them, they are all kind of cases in themselves I, I guess is the best way to put it but so with all of them they will have critics and skeptics and people um making a conscious effort to debunk them but the interesting thing with uh debunky
0: monkeys let is- me, me jump <laughs>
2: But the interesting thing with some of them is that some of these people were were quite well respected within their communities and Kenneth himself was an interesting one. So he was then subsequently hired by sci-fi magazine Amazing Stories, um, not only to tell his story, but to interview those whose stories quickly began to follow. Uh, and yeah, as you might imagine, uh, all these stories that kind of followed Kenneth's story would almost echo and mirror what he claims to have seen. Some of his uh, some of his people trying to uh, debunk him claim that essentially he saw lights from other planes shining off the snow on the top of the mountains. But again, he's claiming they're moving very quickly. And he, you're only going off his word at this point as well. His rise to fame meant that his family began to receive up to 10,000 phone calls and letters per day. Many of them critics, many of them sceptics, and some of them being of a threatening nature. 10,000 letters a day? It's a lot, isn't it? Well, I suppose there wasn't as much going on back the then. Hot? How's that even possible? Well, the, the phones ring in every minute. Of the day, that's a you know that's a. Uh, let me. I'm can you do the math of that? But. I can probably do that. Yeah. How many minutes in a day? Uh, One thousand four hundred and forty. In a day, I
0: believe so. I divide that by ten thousand. <laughs> it's not possible. I don't believe it.
2: Well, letters as well.
0: Okay, let's do five thousand then.
2: <laughs> so okay, so four. So if the so fourteen forty divided by yeah ten thousand is you're know, you're looking at. Uh, a call every 0.144 seconds Bullshit Yeah well he's, his claim his claim his family claimed maybe a lot of le- maybe heavy on the letters Dan I've debunked you Ben Well he's, he's the one pointing the fingers <laughs> not me um, but yeah historian Mike Dash said that any scepticism the reporters and general public might have had uh, against Kenneth seemed to evaporate when they were first able to interview him at length Kenneth
0: had the makings of a reliable witness <laughs> Bullshit <laughs> he was a respected businessman and experienced pilot and seemed to be neither exaggerating mm,
2: what he'd seen. <laughs> isn't a day, isn't a day, sorry. I've, I hold my hands up now, yeah. It's 10,000 letters in total. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over a period of like 50 years. This in.
0: Kenneth had the makings of a reliable witness. He was a respected businessman and experienced pilot and seemed to be neither exaggerating what he'd seen nor adding sensational details to his report. Unlike me. (laughs) He also gave the impression of being a careful observer. These details impressed the newspaperman. Newspaperman, that's a good word, isn't it? Thank you. These details impressed the newspaperman, who interviewed him and lent credibility to his report.
4: The following month can have had 6,000 sandwiches in one day. (laughs) The following month, Kenneth travelled to Maury Island in Washington as part of his work with Amazing Stories sci-fi magazine. He then went over to Oprah Hill and, uh, <laughs> and Montel Williams Mound. Um, here he interviewed a number of men who worked in the island's harbour who had claimed to have experienced similar sightings to him, but this time with the aircraft spewing out lava rocks, some of which would even strike their boats, breaking a man's arm and killing a dog in the process. Oh, That's sad. It's
2: always sad.
4: Very hot dog. But they are sad. As a result, Kenneth's investigations for Amazing Stories magazine, which sounds great, ASM, St. Maxie, the the Maori Island sightings drew the attention of two officials from the United States Air Force. The two men investigated the scene, collected evidence, and re-interviewed the harbour workers, but they deemed the whole thing to be a hoax. Coincidentally, the two Air Force officials died just a week later in an alleged plane crash. Edward Rupelt, their colleague, said the following.
0: The whole Maori Island mystery was a hoax. The first, possibly the second best, and the dirtiest hoax in UFO history. The government had thought seriously of prosecuting the men involved. At the last minute it was decided, after taking the two men, that the hoax was a harmless joke that had mushroomed, and that the loss of two lives and a B-25 plane could not be directly blamed on the two men.
4: Despite this criticism and his work being called into question and challenged as a hoax, Kenneth would give an interview with the Chicago
0: Times where he remained adamant that something otherworldly was occurring in America. If our government knows anything about these devices, the people should be told at once. A lot of people out here are very much disturbed. Some think these things may be from another planet, but they aren't harming anyone, and I think it would be the wrong thing to shoot one of them down, even if it can be done. Their high speed would completely wreck them regardless of their origin, they apparently were traveling to some reachable destination. Whoever controlled them obviously wasn't trying to hurt anyone. The disks were making turns so abruptly in rounding peaks that it would have been impossible for human pilots inside to have survived the pressure. So I think they are controlled from elsewhere, regardless of whether it's from Mars, Venus, or our own planet.
2: Kenneth's life would be a busy one to say the least from this point onwards. He would claim to have witnessed at least seven different UFOs over the next few decades. So that's a bit more conservative compared to all the letters he was getting and sandwiches he was eating. Uh, One of which he likened to a jellyfish. uh, And apparently this was due to the saucer's transparent appearance, uh, the the jellyfish UFO. Uh, In the years that followed, Cosmopolitan magazine would write an article about Kenneth that was titled The Disgraceful Flying Saucer Hoax. Uh, in which they accused Kenneth of, quote, igniting a chain reaction of mass hypnotism and fraud. Uh, so yeah, with, with a lot of these people that um, we're going to discuss, they did draw some critics. Uh, Kenneth would remain a believer for the rest of his life, sadly dying of colon cancer in 1984. He is remembered fondly for saying the following in one of his very first TV interviews.
0: This whole thing has gotten out of hand. I want to talk to the FBI or someone. Half the people look at me as a combination of Einstein, Flash Gordon and Scruble. I wonder what my wife back in Idaho thinks.
2: July 8th, 1947, just two weeks after the Kenneth Arnold UFO sighting, the Roswell incident occurred in Roswell, New Mexico. So as we explained earlier in the episode, there was a, a sheep rancher called Mac, uh, a big, big, big pile of smoky debris, or... Not such a big pile according to depending on who you believe. Um ages to get to the police, misinformed newspapers, some believe a spacecraft, some believe it was the Russians, some believe it was a weather balloon. Either way, this once again put the idea of UFOs and aliens into the mainstream media. And according to the Smithsonian Museum,
0: the Roswell Daily Record reported news of a flying saucer on July 8, 1947. More than 75 years later, the public remains fascinated by the possibility that aliens not only crash-landed in Roswell, but that the US Army collected the wreckage to carry out alien experiments and cover up their existence from the American people. And while Roswell is nowhere near Area 51, which wasn't even active till the mid-1950s, the two are inextricably linked because of the perceived alien connection. However, due to the top-secret nature of the military testing, The US government was not particularly interested in debunking UFO rumours, which spread unchecked in turn. It was better from the Air Force's perspective that there was a crashed alien spacecraft out there than to tell the truth. What was really going on with Roswell was something called Project Mogul.
2: I think that links kind of back to what you both said at the start of the episode, uh, so obviously from their perspective, the the Air Force were much more happy for people to believe, oh, there's aliens out there rather than them to actually know what they were developing in Area 51. So yeah, that's an interesting quote. Uh, so Project Mogul, uh, obviously that's come up a couple of times in the episode. Uh, so the purpose of that project was essentially to search the upper atmosphere um, and use balloons to get above any height that planes of the time could reach. And they wanted the balloons to then go over um enemy territory for signs of reverberations from nuclear test blasts using high-altitude balloons with sensors and radar detectors. So, yeah, obviously it's no shock that the American government did not want this to be publicly known. And I suppose if they've got a a sheep rancher, is that how you say it, a sheep rancher, a a rancher that looks after sheep, um, saying it's aliens, uh, then, yeah, surely they'll be happy for Mac to talk until the cows come home. Pardon the pun. (laughs) he doesn't want those cows to come out because he's sheep yeah
4: in the 1950s as we've gone through now leading a covert place to develop aircraft area 51 was ultimately selected by cia deputy director richard bissell bissell who was tasked with developing the u2 plane program the mafia also became prominent residents of las vegas area as many mafia finance casinos were constructed such as the stardust sahara Tropicana, Desert Inn and the Riviera, making them very interesting neighbours to Area 51. Tourism in the city greatly increased through the 1950s and strengthened the local economy, bringing even more attention to Nevada. It is alleged by some conspiracy theorists that the Mafia and the government had written agreements regarding the protection and secrecy of Area 51 in return for allowing various offences to occur in Vegas. At around the same time, the Wacken Huck Corporation were founded and contracted with providing security services to Area 51, and it is alleged that the Wackenhut guards have been responsible for multiple deaths on the outskirts of the site that were covered up by the government. Yeah, Another interesting thing about where the location is, I've heard on another podcast, I was discussing with the, obviously the bright lights of Vegas, it being very much a distraction of things being flying around in the air, like with the light pollution and things like that, it's quite a good disguise for trying to hide things.
2: 1955, the U-2 spy plane, uh, designed for high altitude reconnaissance, is tested in Area 51. Uh, And around the same time, other aircrafts are also tested on the site later, uh, including the Oxcart. Oxcart racer. Very good. Because the U-2 was a covert spy plane intended to be used to perform reconnaissance missions in the Soviet Union, secrecy was of the utmost importance. As a result of the lack of transparency, however, so obviously with locals asking more and more questions as time goes on and believers asking more and more questions as time goes on sightings of UFOs by locals continue to increase and all manner of alien conspiracies broke loose and again as we said probably the US government and the the workers uh, the Air Force workers over at Area 51 were probably quite happy for these conspiracy theories to continue to to grow and snowball Uh, and what made it worse was that the US government refused to acknowledge the existence of Area 51 at all Government officials made the claim that secrecy. Why did seat-
0: the uh, Why did the alien leave the party? <laughs>
2: oh, because um, he wanted to go, go home.
4: Because oh. someone made a, a racist joke.
2: Whoa!
0: Fuck <laughs> <laughs> like me!
4: Well, that would make you want to leave the party. waste, on you?
0: I wouldn't leave the party. I'd talk to the person, see what's wrong with them. Fair. Good save. Um, it had no atmosphere. That's
2: good. So, government officials make the claim that secrecy is paramount and reference that if the Manhattan Project, for example, had been discovered, the entire course of the war and the world may have changed, hence the need for secrecy. And at the same time, the space race was very much in full flow, which further encouraged international government secrecy.
4: 1960s, the development of the SR 71 Blackbird, one of the fastest aircraft ever built, is conducted at Area 51. Shortly after this, a large radar test facility was established at Area 51 as a result of additional land that the federal government has seized from civilians. The then CIA Inspector General Lyman Kirkpatrick, which, yeah, is, is, has a lot of punch in that name, doesn't it? Um, hmm.
2: You can call me Ly or Kirk or Pat or Man. Or ma- He's got it all. Hey,
4: man. Hey, General Man. Um, he writes to the Deputy Director Richard, less of a good name, making the claim that Area 51 appears to be extremely vulnerable in its present security provisions against unauthorised observation. I think we can all relate to that. This could be perhaps due to the word spreading not just across America, but across the world, of this top secret facility in Nevada that has seemingly not stopped growing. 1961, the Betty and Barney, uh, which Ben has pointed out is is the uh, neighbours to the Flintstones, um, hill alien abduction allegedly occurs. Uh, this was referred to as the Barney and Betty Hill incident, and is regarded as one of the most famous alleged abduction cases. So, Betty and Barney Hill is—they are an American couple uh, claimed to have been abducted by aliens whilst driving through rural New Hampshire. They reported missing time, strange memories, and encounters with non-human entities. Mm, Grizzly. Mm. Can imagine aliens having really cold hands.
2: Yeah, it's either it's either yeah, nowhere in the middle. It's either really cold or, or scald to the hat. touch. Yeah, yeah. Oof not sure what I'd prefer. I'd rather
4: um, cold than it's cold and hot.
2: Just warm to the touch would be okay, though.
4: Depends where they're touching. True. Well, under hypnosis, the Hills each described similar detailed accounts of their abduction, including medical examinations... Oh, we've got to test it, sir. Uh, ...by the aliens. Their case became wildly publicised and is considered a landmark in UFO abduction law. Um, yeah, but I guess... They obviously spoke to each other. It's not like wild that their accounts were the same. Sorry. So I think that's a bit of weird. It's like, oh no, they both said the same story. What, after this, although it remains unproven, and skeptics suggest other explanations such as sleep disorders or hallucinations, it's also been proved that Betty was a huge sci-fi fan for most of her life, and that her husband Barney likely went along with the story. She loved uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, I still livid about that. Um, <laughs> I even Googled it, and yeah, it is sci-fi. But <laughs> I don't think it was in the spirit of the game. But, there you go. Though, when interviewed under hypnosis, Barney said, "Hi, kids.
0: No, oh, those eyes, those alien eyes. I felt like that's, they pushed us. Like me. Billie Eilish. Good. Those
4: alien eyes.
0: I felt like they had pushed me from their eyes to my eyes. What's that mean? Sounds like Ben there. There's
2: no, there's no <laughs> me.
0: Oh, I felt like they had pushed from their eyes to my eyes. What does that mean?"
2: Don't know. That's they. Quite. I think they're saying they put their eyes in each other's other eyes. It, it does elaborate.
0: Oh, snide
2: That's good. No, sorry, mate. Sorry.
0: <laughs> they do explain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, do they?
0: I felt like they had pushed from their eyes to my eyes. They're there in my brain. I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes. <laughs> too, man. too many eyes, isn't there? Jesus. Yeah. I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine. And I felt like the eyes are pushed into my eyes. I don't think it is explaining it better. <laughs> yeah. All I see is yeah, these bright. eyes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, all I see is these eyes. I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my
2: eyes. Yeah, so just eyes and not really even a body by the sounds of it. Yeah
4: there's plenty more out there if you if you want to find it Ben's made a note of saying it's really a fun read a um, note to make as well alleged abductions that at this time were occurring all over the world but a huge spike in rural America and so the typical rundown here is you get abducted taken on the spacecraft placed under hypnosis and probed or sexually assaulted before being returned what do
0: aliens like to eat? space writers <sighs> that's good he's got it it's not that though oh uh,
4: ben, do you want to have a go? Mars Mars bars. That's also good. Galaxy chocolate. Very good. Similar. A lot of stuff Not out there
0: good. that could work. Um, unidentified frying objects.
4: Frying 16th of July, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, which Buzz, Buzz Aldrin is, yeah, again, a, a great name, obviously, we all know who Buzz Aldrin is, quite a controversial character nowadays as well, uh, become the first Americans to land on the moon, though many to date still believe this to have been staged and filmed within the classified walls of Area 51. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick always gets a link to it. Um, and there's a great film uh, called, I think it's Room One One Three or something, about The Shining, And the little boy wearing the jumper, Mm. which has the rocket ship on it. And them saying, that's a sign from Kubrick saying that he did it. He's admitting it. Uh, Worth a watch. Uh, It's a weird, weird documentary with a lot of things. I'm like, but some of it's interesting. News of this feat of human endeavor only further fuels the idea that we as humans are not alone. And even more speculation regarding
2: Area 51 persists. 1974. We flash forward five years. Skylab astronauts inadvertently—I don't know how this is inadvertently—but there you go. They take aerial photographs of Area 51. The images are reviewed by the National Photographic Interpretation Center, and they are then marked as classified before being removed from the rolls of the film and stored in a vault within Area 51. And yeah, they would not be released. I believe it's almost 50 years later that they were eventually released. But yeah, that was uh, a strange moment there. So they have they were obviously taking various photographs of different parts of the world from space. And uh, yeah, they snapped a, an aerial of Area 51. And again, I think from that, It was more people questioning why are they hiding it? What are they trying to hide? Whereas it was all a matter of security and that's obviously fueled speculation further. 1975, a crew of six loggers in Arizona witnessed their crewmate, Travis Walton, allegedly being abducted and forcefully pulled into an unidentified flying object. I quite like the Betty and Barney one, but this one to me is the most interesting of all the different encounters out there so yeah travis was a a logger they were in like a a wooded area of arizona and he was reported missing immediately to law enforcement uh, by his colleagues Uh, and they would spend the following days searching with scent dogs and helicopters Uh, and travis actually remained missing for five days and six hours before calling his sister from a payphone on the other side of arizona so this encounter was referred to as the Travis Walton incident. And just like the Betty and Barney Hill incident, it drew a huge amount of scepticism. Travis has since made multiple appearances in television and radio and also runs his own website. His testimonies really do read like something directly taken from a sci-fi movie, um, which is strange. There's a dinosaur there. Yeah. Velociraptors. DNA. Uh, cl- is it cloning? DNA. Uh, Fantasy, I what- get it, but. I'd said it's a bit of an action as well.
0: That's no, literally science fiction. It's like it's, it's
2: yeah, perfect. It's perfectly labelled actually <laughs> as a genre. Yeah, when, when you think about? Though like, we're talking about aliens, you would think you just not include them in the thing. Um, was the big fishy dinosaur in the more recent Jurassic World movie? Was that yeah. technically sci-fi because they didn't exist? or did those I think they did exist megalodon type dinosaurs? I don't dinosaur to that size
0: they existed but yeah. yeah
2: so that's kind of more sci-fi I guess no,
0: it's all science fiction all of it yeah. works
2: <laughs> maybe not in an alien podcast but go on <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so this Travis Walton um it was strange that his testimony read so much like something out of a sci-fi movie, uh, maybe Jurassic Park, uh, because a month before he went missing, NBC aired a primetime special feature called The UFO Incident, uh, the premise of which literally lines up almost identically to Travis Walton's statement.
0: I was lying on my back. I didn't try to move or even open my eyes at first. I was weak, so watery weak, that I knew if I attempted to... <laughs> Did you put that in? No oh.
2: just wanted to hear you say it <laughs>
0: That I knew if what I What does it even mean? Fuck no nice.
2: Watery weak
0: Water is quite weak actually
2: Yes Not like Compared to that. like ice or something Titan up.
0: Mm. Yeah That's
2: actually You put point. water into we-
4: To
0: weaken squash You put more water in That's it. This is brilliant stuff
2: Diluch. Sci-fi
0: That I knew if I attempted to move Even my arm I'd lapse back into unconsciousness A bitter metallic taste Covered my tongue My mouth was dry and I was very thirsty. Oddly, the weakness in my muscles did not seem to come from hunger. The trembling felt odd, like a strange mixture of exertion and illness. Something was terribly wrong. I could see the blurry figures of doctors leaning over me with their white masks and caps. They were wearing unusual, orange-colored surgical gowns. I could not make out their faces clearly. Abruptly, my vision cleared. The sudden horror of what I saw rocked me as I realized that I was definitely not in a hospital. I was looking squarely into the face of a horrible creature. It looked steadily back at me with huge, luminous brown eyes, the size of quarters.
2: Is that big? Quarters? No. Pocket change. All right, big man. Yeah, I've huge. Yeah, but again, back on the eyes. Um, so yeah, Mike Rogers, who was a co-worker and long-term friend of Travis Walton, recently cast um, this alleged incident into question when he posted the following update on his Facebook page.
0: We were talking in the woods one day. We were talking about creating a UFO hoax. I don't know how the UFO got there, but I remember when I was driving the truck and he jumped out, it was all deliberate. It was all a staged thing. He ran up there, And there was something about the UFO not being real, although it looked real. Mike has
4: a real way of words, doesn't he?
2: He does, yeah. that's A a lot of characters for a status update, isn't it, as well? You'd lose me after the first couple of sentences. Reports of unusual flying objects and identified aerial phenomena, UAP, near Area 51 lead to increased public interest and speculation about extraterrestrial activity. May the 13th, 1989, KLAS Las Vegas news reporter George Knapp interviews Bob Lazar, an alleged former Area 51 employee who uh, appeared in the interview completely anonymized and was given only the name Dennis, which apparently was uh, an inside joke. Um, Now he, Dennis, goes on to expose intimate details about Area 51 and he claims to have been working as part of a team of physicists in Area 51 who were trying to, quote, back-engineer a series of nine different downed alien spacecrafts. Now, Lazar also went on to claim that the facility he worked in is specifically used to study extraterrestrial technology uh, within Area 51, and that he also saw autopsy photos of aliens that were taken from inside the facility. So yeah, this interview was, you see it in almost all the Area 51 documentaries out there. It generates a huge amount of public interest um, in the base itself. And it also, at the same time, um, although he was anonymous at the time of the interview, he would later be named. um, It paints a huge target on the back of Lazar. And apparently Lazar claims that even though he did conduct this uh, interview anonymously with voice changing and in the dark, uh, he would receive a phone call immediately after this from his former employees, um, uh, basically threatening his life.
4: He received 10,000 straight away, didn't he?
2: T- loads and all the, oh, the letters. like <laughs> Harry Potter?
4: Come to our fucking school, you specky prick. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
2: so lazar has many critics and many people are able to debunk him uh there are many books and documentaries that heavily feature on him uh with the majority of people believing that he made the entire thing up essentially for clout he would also later claim that he believes what he once thought were alien autopsies were actually children's dolls um kind of in the shape of alien beings that were kept within area 51 he would live a very um chaotic life um, and he would actually later be arrested for his involvement in a sex worker ring as well as operating a company that sold illegal chemicals and uh, yeah a lot of um, a lot of credible people have looked at Lazar's story and rationally concluded that he made it up and I mean even in one of the documentaries that we watched he is asked to draw some of the spacecraft that his team were apparently trying to back engineer and it's literally a flying saucer that he autographs.
4: Yeah, I watched Yeah, the documentary I watched at first, because he does go on about kind of saying, like, if I was to make it up, I'd be making up much more elaborate, interesting things than what I'm doing. I wasn't straight away. I found him quite believable watching it personally in terms of his way details went into it and the way he comes
0: across. The thing with Lazar for me is his story is consistent right through the decades when he started talking about it. That's That's what makes it believable for me.
4: He's obviously a clever guy with like the things yeah. he used to He's build. He's got the
2: background, has not he? Yeah.
0: People claim
4: like um, you know that he because he says that where he studied and things like that, and a lot of people say he never went to that school. He he couldn't name any of the professors that he learned under and studied under and things like that, which you should know. So people can poke holes in his back story a lot. But yeah, he just he didn't seem like he wanted the attention really from the documentary I watched. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was doing it, but he didn't. He was like
2: mm. begrudgingly doing it. Didn't he say as well that all of his, like, history had been erased or was claiming all of his employment records, education records, medical records, had all, the government had seized them or something like that? Wasn't that the reason why he tried to say, mm. if I say I was here and you can't f- evidence that I was here, it's because the government have erased that data? So, which I don't think, you know, that,
4: that sounds, does sound plausible if they're trying to delete, you know, discredit him. But at the same time, is he couldn't name the professors himself, apparently, which makes it a bit more like, well... You know, surely you'd know the names of the, your lecturers and whatnot, but um, yeah, I fa- uh, I found him fairly believable, and he talked about a particular tool to get into places where they kind of like X-ray your hand you know something. I'm really simplifying it, but <laughs> it, so they measured your hand basically, and then you're allowed in. And he spoke about this apparently years ago, and this documentary guy found pictures of this particular device. And it just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the documentary I watched him was obviously very way towards that this is true. And it had um, nap on it, the guy that interviewed him, who still believes Bazaar. He believed in everything he said. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. Everything's going to be met with skepticism, especially in this field, like we know. But I don't know. So, Dan, what's your kind of opinion on him? Just you think he hasn't changed his story, but do you think he, he's a bit of a showman?
0: Um, No I don't think he's a showman Like you Tom He he does come across really well I think the problem is It's quite easy to debunk um, The nature of the subject He's talking about But I think it's quite hard To debunk his history If that makes sense So um, Yeah I'm intrigued
2: by Lazar Hmm Interesting. 1990s. So in order to combat the claims made by Bob Lazar, according to the CIA, test flights of the U-2 aircraft and subsequent military aircraft account for many of the UFO sightings in the area. They also claim that there is no evidence of extraterrestrial contact at Area 51, or anywhere else for that matter, despite Bob Lazar's claims. Area 51 is officially acknowledged for the first time by the US government, but its activities remain highly classified. Area 51 therefore becomes a focal point for UFO enthusiasts as well as conspiracy theorists, as a result, who believe it is involved in the study of crashed alien spacecraft and extraterrestrial beings. So yeah, this is the point where it kind of eclipses, part of the pun, uh, eclipses Roswell as kind of the hub of UFOs. <laughs> um, um, Yeah, and now you have people trying to approach the facility, more eyes on the facility, and Bob Lazar's claims have really, um, they are the things that I think people have taken a lot more seriously compared to Betty Barney and uh, Travis Walton, and the many other claims that were being made at the time. I think uh, Lazar kind of making those statements has given it a bit more ground.
4: Bob Lazar? Bob Lazar. 1994, 47 years after the matter, the US Air Force released a statement explaining that the wreckage found at the Roswell incident actually consisted of a smash part of the balloons. You smash a balloon? Sensors and radar reflectors from a classified government project called Project Mogul. Smash balloons. You did pop balloons when you rub, little bits of rubber.
2: Yeah. I, what was that balloon where the guy guided like the world's highest skydive? Felix baumgartner yes that was like a bit balloony but also lots of other materials going on i believe that's the technical sort of definition yeah a bit balloony
4: january 30th 1996 then president bill clinton signs a presidential determination that essentially exempts the u.s air force's operations on groom lake basically from any law so they're able to do they're above the law essentially in that area which is which is bizarre Mm mm-hmm bizarre thing to do further raising speculation and conspiracies from the general public Um, march 6 1996 a citizen lawsuit is launched between five former employees of area 51 as well as the widows of two additional employees and the department of defense the plaintiffs allege violations of resource conservation and recovery act in the storage treatment and disposal of hazardous waste at the operation location near groom lake with two ex-employees dying as a result of their service at area 51 and the other five with serious health conditions.
2: Yeah, so I I didn't know this. Apparently, there was a constant almost like burning burning patch, burning pit um, in Area 51, and they were burning some very um, unstable chemicals and materials that you shouldn't really burn, and yeah, as a result, they've they've lost some employees. I had no idea about this. But then surely with Bill Clinton signing this uh, exemption determination and... um, preventing them from having to disclose any classified information, does that override it
4: maybe? I don't know
2: if, if it's, I think it's employee
4: law, if think safety for employee I think that kind of there's certain laws where they can't be like keep people hostage there to work for them for free, for example, that would still be a law that they have to abide
2: by, I would have thought. Yeah, that's an yeah bizarre situation. So yeah, unclear there whether that would be protected under what Clinton had signed off on. Uh, July 23rd, 1996, an additional citizen lawsuit between former employees at Area 51 and the Environmental Protection Agency uh, is launched, and both lawsuits are shockingly thrown out after government intervention. So that's... That's crazy, isn't it? That same year, the documentary film Dreamland was released, which includes an interview with a 71-year-old retired mechanical engineer who claimed to have been a former employee at Area 51 during the 1950s. Now, his claims in this documentary included that he had worked on a, quote, flying disc simulator, uh, which had been based on a disk originating from a crashed extraterrestrial craft. And apparently they took this uh, recovered or salvaged debris and used it to train pilots. He also claimed to have worked with an extraterrestrial being named J-Rod and described uh, J-Rod as a telepathic translator. Uh, so yeah, J-Rod. Going for some
4: beers with J-Rod?
2: Yeah, place for um, Burnley now, doesn't he? jay rodriguez and with the
4: mention of jay rod that little legend who loved to drink after work i thought that's terrific let's talk about things tommy's trivia <laughs> that's terrific so yes obviously um it's the final final show so i thought you know i would do one of my infamous lists for the show who knows if it comes back because it's been a lot of said from the other the other team that they're scared to come back for another season, so it might be the last one from from this as well. But anyway, I, I thought a lot of people. Who obviously, there's the if you draw an alien, I think everyone's going to draw a similar kind of alien. I would have thought. I'd like to see what Ben's alien would be if you drew one.
2: Yeah, I'll draw one. I'll, I'll be, well, post it on the site.
4: Yeah, please, please do. But yes, I think most people would probably draw what they, what is commonly referred to as the greys so i'm going to go through some different kinds of aliens that exist or have been claimed to exist um so the greys is a gray-skinned humanoid usually one one meter tall so three foot three so quite yeah probably about waist high a bit. yeah about that uh, just over yeah yeah um hairless with large heads black almond shaped eyes <laughs> sounds like me <laughs> it does <doesn't> it? <laughs> nostrils without a nose. Yeah, back one like you. Slits for a mouth. Always thought that. Um, no ears and three to four fingers, including a thumb. <laughs> Greys have been, the um, Grays have been like I said, pre- they're the predominant uh, alien um, and been allegedly contacting us since the
2: 1960s. Mm. So um, That's probably the one I would draw. Yeah. Having not heard the others, that's probably the one I would draw. Well, what about this? The little green man
4: who you mm. can imagine he's green giants like little brother no one really paid much attention to on the sweet corn maybe he's on the baby corn I back it instead a little green man is a is basically a green again humanoid which is an odd word even though a few abductions have referred to green skin no report has ever involved anything that would fit classic cultural stereotypes of little green men some, so some people have claimed that they basically have seen little green men but there's not as much evidence as the greys to suggest that not saying that there is actually any concrete evidence of greys um out there but yeah little green men have been mentioned in, in, the, in the conversations uh draconians oh who, who are tall and scaly humanoids uh scaly always shudder a little bit Uh reptilian humanoid are being stated back to at least as far as the ancient egypt with the crocodile headed river god sobek um so linking it to him but maybe like the film signs because they're more like tall aliens yeah aren't they? they look a bit lanky yeah, a bit lanky and a bit like you imagine their skin would be fairly slippery the reptilian conspiracy theory has been um advocated by david Icke. because that's an ikey one david Icke, the infamous oh, yeah, uh was he weatherman or news reporter who went on that show wogan and he said about how the royal family are all lizards and he's a big conspiracy theorist here over in the uk i uh, guess a lot of uh a lot of people well a lot of people listen to him and maybe don't believe all the things he says but yeah the uh, the lizards the lizard royal family is very much his thing and finally rods or well, they're commonly known as sky fish oh. so they're elongated visual artifacts appearing in photos and video recordings sometimes claimed to be alien beings that generally thought to be caused by motion blur from flying insects <laughs> Oh yeah, I've googled that. Yeah. Skyfish, oh, but um, yeah, greys. It seems like the greys is the definitive one. I know there was the greys tend to have two genres of people, really, which we'll get into a little bit later. on. I won't, I won't spoil that. But they have two set kind of personality traits. But on the whole, from what I've read, they're not really there to do you much harm. So if you do see a little grey, maybe just give them a little smile and a wave, and be on your way. Anyway. All the best
0: till next season, maybe. Do it. <laughs> Back to the episode.
4: Tommy's trivia. <laughs> That's terrific.
0: Well done, boys. Well done.
2: Uh, on the uh, on the subject of of like tall and short, I was. I think it was when I went to post something on the socials the other day I noticed how small I look in the um in the photo for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you do. I look tiny. Yeah. I, I know it's cuz I'm crouching down and taking a photo, but Dan look, Dan and you look giant. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's um, pathetic, just think you look a bit small. No, I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, okay, I, think I did, did I? Um But yeah. Um Why are you crouching down and take a photo? And we're all looking up. Can't remember. I think we I think the photographer had said that I was taking a photo of a body on the floor perhaps. Uh, Still don't need to yeah. crouch though, do you? It's not going to I me. Mean, just I don't know. I, I just looked at it the other day and thought, bloody hell, I look short. Can you know, head um, that make you much taller? No, it's fine. Head poking at the top. <laughs> <laughs> April two thousand, tensions build across America as a Russian-built satellite reveals extensive aerial views of Area Fifty-One. So obviously, yeah, when the the American astronauts did it, it was quickly um, classified and the photos were stored. But Russia had a different approach, and uh, yeah, this this put a lot of people on edge uh, over in America at the time. And as a result, numerous lawsuits, freedom of information requests, and legal actions are filed against the U.S. government seeking information on Area 51's activities. The U.S. Air Force and CIA released previously classified documents that acknowledge the existence of Area 51, but they do not confirm the presence of extraterrestrial but they do not confirm the presence of extraterrestrial technology. 2010s. Popular culture, including movies, TV shows, magazines and books, continue to perpetuate the idea of Area 51's involvement in extraterrestrial research and conspiracy theories. Obviously, we've skimmed through the the late 80s and 90s here in terms of Independence Day, Men in Black and The X-Files, that all kind of casted a prominent glance to the media's depictions of Area 51, uh, Mars Attacks. Good film. Great mm. film. film. Uh, so yeah, uh, the uh, obviously the, I mean the list that we cherry picked for Tom the Jones? nineteen, yeah, the uh, Jack the Black list as well, we...
4: young Chad Black's in that film. Don't like Jack Black, but he's in that.
2: Hey, why don't you like Jack Black? It just really annoys me. Oh fair enough. Oh, too fair enough.
4: he's too crazy. Trying to be too crazy all the time. it's just. Well, mm. well, yeah, I make noises. Oh, shut up, Chad Black. Oh. There you go. I like Chad Black. I know you do
2: so, yeah, um, obviously the, the list that we picked um, earlier, you know, just from the 50s, there have been hundreds upon hundreds of different um, media portrayals of uh, Area 51. And this only uh, uh, increased speculation and the number of conspiracy theories and those wanting to know more about other life or other beings or what else is out there. Well, question everything like Matt Letitier. June 25th, 2013, three years later, the CIA approved the release of a declassified document chronicling the history of the U-2 plane and Oxcart program in a response to a Freedom of Information request. The release of those documents marked the first time that the US government formally acknowledged the existence of Area 51. Obviously, there'd been claims that it had existed, but this was actually in writing a formal acknowledgement. And since then, not other information has been forthcoming from the government.
4: August 2014. From his deathbed, former aerospace engineer who supposedly held a top secret clearance at Area 51, Boyd Bushman, publishes a YouTube video essentially whistleblowing and stating that aliens exist.
0: Hey, man, there's something in the back room. <laughs> Hope nothing, creatures above. It's <sighs> story, stories.
4: <laughs> what makes Boyd's story particularly fascinating is his career pedigree. Uh, my brother is an aerospace engineer. Cool. He was a senior research engineer for the aeronautical firm Lock- Lockheed Lockheed Martin, as well as being a gifted inventor. He had 28 patents to his name. I don't know. I didn't say patience, He's not a busy doctor. He has 28 patents to his name from a career spanning more than 40 years. So until he held up some very sketchy looking photos of what he claimed to be an alien cadavers, people took his words quite seriously.
0: A great deal of information should be lifted up from those dark recesses of Area 51 and moved over so people can see it. Since I am a scientist, I do not believe in theory. I say, follow the data. If something cannot be verified by a physical test that something is true, then I do not care to accept it. Therefore, everything I present here will be data that comes directly from Area 51 to you.
4: Okay, so you're saying he's he's only showing you the hard facts. Yep. He then goes on to explain that there are two types of aliens kept at Area 51. Got the Wranglers and the Rustlers. And then no, I'm not talking about that microwave burger. Uh, all those genes now. Um, at least 18 of them have been held uh, either dead or alive in the facility, which some of which could teleport if not restrained correctly. I don't know how he restrains someone from, from teleporting, but... Um, no, I need, to ho- I, need, I need to hold him there just because otherwise he's going to teleport. Oh,
3: fuck.
1: Get off of me!
4: <laughs> There's no laws here, Rustler. <laughs> Bill Clinton's just in the corner going,
3: do what you want to do.
4: <laughs> um, but anyway, the full confession is on YouTube, but the photos are very, let's say, uh, they're less believable. It's if, like Ben's drawing. It's, it's that kind of, look, it's a photo.
2: Um, <laughs> they do. Yeah. His drawings look pretty much like the inflatable aliens. Oh, yeah. Whereas everything else he said was like, okay, this hold, this could hold some weight. And then he held those photos up and I was like, come on. But the rest of it, Come yeah. on Bushman. Yeah. For those that are very visually led, um, yeah, you probably wouldn't believe him, but yeah, he's an character. was an interesting character, Boyd. Early 2019, on the 28th of January, an unidentified man drove through a
4: security checkpoint near Mercury, Nevada, after an eight-mile car chase by Area 51 perimeter guards. Once the car stops, the man exited his vehicle holding what appeared to be a cylindrical object and was immediately shot dead by the NNSS security officers and sheriff's deputies after refusing
0: to obey requests to halt.
4: An Air Force spokeswoman, Laura McAndrews said,
0: Area 51 is an open training range for the US Air Force, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. The US Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets
4: later that year perhaps inspired by this incident the Storm Area 51 Facebook event gained international attention leading to concerns about public safety more than 2 million people responded with going and 1.5 million interested <laughs> oh sounds good but I am be busy to <laughs> something you know, you know I'm like on the events page pledging to raid Area 51 in a quest to see them aliens and mm-hmm. clap alien cheeks Um. Which, probably a Wrangler. Just to uh, so people, you know, maybe the old listener who might not understand what that means, Ben. Can you translate?
2: Well, I do. I explained motorboating pretty well. Yes, yeah, so, uh, the Bronson episode. So, clap them cheeks would essentially mean to. Um, well, well, there's two kind of. There's the extreme level, and then there's just the sort of playful level. What's the uh, playful? Just a little tap on <coughs> the butt. Just playful. No, clap the two butt cheeks together. Little clap. You know, little jiggle, jiggle. See you later. Have a good day. Obviously, get consent. Extreme version. Um, I believe, isn't that literally, um, an act of, uh, intercourse from the rear? From, okay. I don't think I've said anything more white in my life. Uh, you have. Oh, okay. You've mentioned, we've covered cases
4: about rappers being shot and that you definitely were whiter in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> they did the hippity hop tracks. Um... The post suggests that people will Naruto Run onto the site on September 20th, 2019 at 3am, claiming that they can't kill or stop all of us. So Ben's going to explain what Naruto Run is as well for us here.
2: Yeah, I've done clapping cheeks, now we're on to Naruto running. So Naruto or Ninja Run is a style of running in which the person or character, uh, so it's uh, lifted from anime, uh, runs leaning forward with their arms outstretched behind them. So sort of doing a, uh, um, what's the animal? Ostrich? No, not ostrich, arms behind you. Trying to do running with your arms outstretched behind you. What's the animal? Maybe I'm remembering animals wrong. Ostrich is close, I reckon. Ostrich is kind of close, isn't it? Yeah, with their arms. <laughs> yeah, leaning forward arms, and arms back. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> so yeah, apparently that makes you harder to stop, more powerful in your running, and um, also harder to sort of... What is it like in four lions for where the guy can? Do- make you a smaller target, um, probably, but
4: you're going to make yourself... Your head very susceptible to being...
2: Yeah, you're putting your head first, essentially, there. Um, your arms are nowhere near to protect your face or body. Um, but you could try it, and it also was said to also potentially confuse um the security guards but yeah naruto run go. You um, disorientate your enemy uh, running like naruto does not in fact improve your speed and could actually make you slower yeah. which makes sense yeah. Um,
4: yeah. So yeah well thank you so much for that uh, after much back and forth and a whole host of media attention the event ultimately does not result in any significant breach of the facility though seven people are arrested which is quite you know that's quite a lack of people considering that there were two million people so they were going um, you'd be very they probably got lots of you know lots of food in and they're like oh it's going to be good <laughs> seven people were arrested uh, two music festivals in rural Nevada Alien Stock and Storm Area 51 Base Camp was, were subsequently organised to capitalise on the popularity of the original Facebook event and between 1,500 and 3,000 people showed up at the festivals while over 150 people made the journey over several miles of rough roads to get near the gates to Area 51 Alien stock sounds better than the storm area Fifty One on base
2: camp. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to think of a good alien sort of festival name. UF show. No, I've really been off form today. So yeah, there's a whole, um, yeah, there's so much information to this storm area 51. It was one guy that essentially um, started the event and it got a lot of traction. He then went on to appear in lots of different um, television programs and interviews. And uh ultimately got got the uh american government air force military all a little bit on their guard but ultimately it came to nothing but not as bad as fire festival but almost in a sense like that Uh, So we then move to the 2020s. The US government maintains its position that Area 51 is a classified military facility for testing and research. UFO sightings and investigations receive renewed interest with the US government establishing a task force to study UFOs. So they're allegedly starting to take it a little bit more serious. Then July 26th of 2023, former United States Air Force officer and intelligence official David Grouch, who we uh, had the quote from at the start of the episode, makes several appearances in various media outlets before testifying at the US House Subcommittee on National Security. So yeah, this was this was big news earlier this year. Um, so these appearances and testimonies made global news as Grush made the whistleblowing claim that America and Area 51 had been maintaining a highly secretive UFO retrieval program and possessed multiple spacecraft of non-human origin as well as the corpses of deceased pilots.
3: There are certain... Elected leaders that had more information that I'm not
0: sure what they've shared with certain gang of eight members or et cetera, but uh, certainly uh, I would not be surprised.
1: Okay You have say that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts. Do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials
3: Something I can't discuss in
4: public setting
2: The entire transcript uh, from Grush is available uh, from his testimony online, and there are also videos of him speaking on YouTube. Um, he's since gone on to appear on multiple television and radio shows, as well as writing his own articles. Um, he too, as well as everyone else we've discussed in our timeline, has drawn many critics and sceptics.
4: So now we're going to go into a bit more. It's not, we're not going to call it Arthur Martha this week. We're going to call it uh, additional things. Uh, or... Um, I'll make that jingle. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. We've got more things for you to learn about here. Help yourself. Here's a fact. Here's another fact. Do you want a fact? Fact. Um, between 1947 and 1969, at the height of the Cold War, more than 12,000 UFO sightings were reported. That's a lot of sightings, man. That's more than the guy had letters.
2: It's just. It was closely contested
4: definitely yeah so the top states were coming in at number 10 north carolina number nine is your good friends michigan eight ohio how you doing there number seven is have you got a penny slovenia it's number six it's raising yes it is arizona number five that's a huge apple new york number four you got Holdem, hold texas Number three, that's a really big White House out there. Washington. Number two. ah, oh, Mickey Mouse is you know, Danny, Florida, and number one, it's your boy Callie, California. Um, so yeah, a lot of people in California seeing these UFOs or reportedly seeing
2: them. Yeah. I, I expected the more sort of Arizona. I mean Nevada's not even in the 10. No. New Mexico. Utah. I thought they would be the big ones.
4: And total sightings by country, Um, America is well in the lead with 105,000. Canada, coming in number two, is only 15,000. China, 8,000. I'm very surprised by number four. France, 5,068. Very specific, that one. All the other ones must have been bang on, that amount. And and five, Spain with 3,650. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I saw a documentary in the UK about this woman who, who feels she gets abducted a lot. She has
2: quite an elaborate haircut. Um, yes, ah, confessions of an alien abductee. Yeah, and the other there's a like a town mayor as well. And my are parents like... are aliens. Huh?
4: But uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's worth a watch. But not, not my parents are aliens. That's that's trash. But um, yeah, the, the other one is what well, is definitely worth a go. The very first UFO sightings date all the way back to 1450 BC. Ben Carter. Um, Tutman, that's me, listen to Ben Carr speak. Tupman the Great claims, that is me, Tupman the Great claims to have seen <laughs> a shooting star like object gravitating in the sky shortly after he conquered the city of Napata. Napata's a good name, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. Tupman the Great. Mm. It's nice. Um, So as Tom mentioned, yeah, this show with the lady with uh, an interesting hairdo, Confessions of an Alien Abductee, um, is still on Netflix. I double checked. So, yeah, the surprise me button on Netflix uh, a year or so ago uh, brought up the Confessions of an Alien Abductee, which is a UK documentary sort of exploring different people that have uh, claimed to have had encounters or multiple encounters of a very sexual nature, some of them. Uh, It's one of the strangest shows I've ever seen, but it's quite a good comfort watch. Um, So based in the UK, they make the claim that 10% of uh, the United Kingdom believe that they've seen a UFO. So yeah, it's it's, uh, an interesting watch. And yeah, the show, which is obviously based in the UK, make the claim that 10% of the United Kingdom believe they've seen a UFO and that there are a reported 1000 Brits per year think they've been abducted by aliens uh it's a documentary about but essentially the various support groups that are available to these people so there's all these different people that claim to have had these encounters that go for like a a monthly or bi-monthly meet it's Um, kind of like
4: alcoholics anonymous isn't it
2: it is yeah abductees anonymous um and uh yeah i feel like that could have been a good one with like if there's some talking heads like the office style um, but no, it's, uh, it, it's still worth a watch. Uh, the UK government have released 13 separate reports. This was going to be my interest in facts before I changed it to the sci-fi movie quiz. Um, from the years 1997 to 2009, each titled UFO Reports in the UK, and then it's followed by the year. And they basically then put in a table form all the different reports that the police have received relating to UFOs being spotted or encounters occurring. And yeah, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2006 um, are very low in terms of the numbers of reports. However, 2009, which is a staggering 39-page document, um, has got uh, uh, almost 400 separate reports for that year. 2008 had the second most with 26 pages, so 260 reports. but they stopped doing it in 2009 for some reason and they are there was a freedom of information request um from the years 2016 to 2020 however the ministry of defense just replied nil response to all questions so that was a a bit of a weird one and i was going to pluck out some um kind of descriptions most of it seems to be flashing lights um, strange noises, um, d- d- unusual shaped objects in the sky. And it also asks them to list their occupation and a couple of them, most of them are blank, but it does mention that some of these reports have come from air traffic controllers, pilots and police officers. But yeah, I'd say about 90% of them are left blank. So after the failure of the 2019 Storm Area 51 event, a poll was conducted by a global market research company, IPSOS, um, which found that a quarter of Americans believe that crashed UFO spacecrafts are held at Area 51, whilst 52% of them uh, believe that extraterrestrial life exists. So yeah, much higher um, uh, majorities in America compared to other countries. The poll also found that only 16% of Americans say that they are, quote, very familiar with Area 51 fifty one with' only thirty one percent of Americans believing that area fifty one is just your typical run of the mill military base um, yeah a lot of them do believe there 's something more going on in area fifty one The study found that um, typically in america there 's seventeen thousand uh, claimants per year that uh, claim to have had encounters or observed some kind of unidentified flying object. And typically they are made by adults, but they also get uh, similar reports made by young children. Often the young children that uh, are reporting often feature very specific uh, details compared to the adult reports. And also it tends to be that the young children that make these reports either have family members who have reported an abduction themselves or family members that are in the military or also residents near a military base Uh, is quite common with children reports. Which I found quite interesting.
4: Yeah, and the one that I want to throw in there as well, which is a great bit of audio for, which I had, um, is basically there was a, a caller to a show, um, a famous radio host called Art Bell. Essentially, there was a frantic caller that rang him, who was claiming to be an Area Fifty One employee, and he was essentially uh, fearing for his own safety. He's very panicked in the voice, and he goes on to explain what he believes um, happens there and. What, what is actually out there He sounds very panicked So we're going to play a little bit now
3: You're on the air, hello Hello Art Yes Hi um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time um, Well look, look Let's begin yeah. by finding out Whether you're using this line properly or not uh, Area 51 um, Yeah that's right Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I a former employee <laughs> Former um, employee I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge About a week ago And... And I, I've kind of been running across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um, um, what we're thinking of as as aliens are they uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that. An earlier precursor of the, um, the space program made contact with. Uh, they they are not what they claim to be.
4: So yeah, he, yeah, you can hear from his voice. He sounds very scared. He talks about um, like you said earlier on, been a bit interdimensional beings who can kind of, you know, they're not. It's, it's very odd. Basically, it's not. It's not probably a lot of news to anyone who's really delved into the world of of aliens and what could possibly be out there, but. it's just his voice it sounds very Mm -hmm. and the weirder thing is is the fact that they actually cut off the call they cut off the radio station the signal to the radio station soon after it happened the call which is the first like the guy the the, uh, interviewer said that's the first time that's happened so very odd they get that call that to happen Um, very very bizarre
2: As of the time of recording, Area 51 is now technically visible on Google Maps so if you search Area 51 it will take you to uh, the location in South Nevada and if you really, really, really zoom in it will all of a sudden um, sort of show you a rough outline of what appears to be um, a couple of different runways as well as a large number of roads and building blocks. It almost looks like a bit of an industrial estate. Um, but none of it is labeled and you can't really get any closer than that but it is interesting to be able to actually see the um the outline now you can see the big cross kind of runway on what was groom lake but yeah none of it's labeled which is interesting It'd Be good
4: if you could drop if they just haven't figured out you could just drop the little man there walk around <laughs> like
2: fuck, we didn't realize that fuck he's <laughs> walking around oh jesus um as we mentioned the size of the uh uh the land uh, that, is, that makes up Area 51 started out as 6 miles by 10 miles. It's now expanded to 23 by 25 miles. Uh, they now have multiple hangars and enough facilities to support a small village. The cinema only shows um, Jurassic Park, ironically. <laughs> Uh, the the perimeter is very heavily guarded Um, as we mentioned some of them are more sort of gung-ho than others um, but some of the most recent signage located around the perimeters of Area 51 state the following warning
0: US Air Force installation it is unlawful to enter this area without the permission of the installation commander off limits to unauthorised personnel while on this installation all personnel and the property under their control are subject to search photography of this area is prohibited this is a no drone zone warning no trespassing maximum punishment one thousand dollars fine or six months imprisonment strictly enforced use of deadly force authorized
2: yes a lot of different signage uh, some other signs maybe these are maybe they've become more lenient in the years but uh some other signs state five thousand dollar fine or one year imprisonment or both The entrances are patrolled, though it is argued uh, as to how aggressively it is patrolled. Uh, There are a ton of different YouTube videos uh, showing people being approached by security in camouflage uniforms, with one video showing a guard essentially drawing a line in the dirt with his foot and suggesting that he would shoot any of the people filming him if they crossed it. There's uh, quite a famous Area 51 American uh, journalist and author. Her name is Annie Jacobson. Um, She actually appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast to discuss Area 51, which again renewed interest. And she had released a book in 2011 uh, called Area 51, an uncensored history of America's top secret military base. But the, the book itself has received very, very mixed reviews. Um, It's been slated by scientists and historians, but the press seemed to quite like it. So it's very readable. Um, But she alludes to the fact that Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele, um, who was another angel of death, had been recruited by then Soviet leader Joseph Stalin to produce grotesque child-sized aviators in order to cause hysteria in America and the wider Western world. So yeah, essentially that was one of her claims that, that they had planted... Um, Alien-like dolls uh, to scare America into believing it more, but yeah, the book has been very mixed reviews. Lovely
4: stuff. So that yeah, that is the case of the dark side of Area Fifty-One. Yeah, obviously there's uh, well, like the aliens themselves. There's a lot more out there. But um, <laughs> we just thought we'd wrap yeah But the appetite there with a bit of a softer case to end the series on. Rather, you know, we didn't we didn't want to go too heavy on the on the final episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it, found it as interesting as we did. Um, yeah, it's time for us to have a wee break, hmm. a little break, a little step away, refresh. Um, but yes, we'll be back. But until then, if you can't wait for a for us to return we are still going to be doing um minnesota's up on the website icmap.co.uk uh, where we'll be doing weekly minnesota's over and there we've got some new tiers on there so you know if you want to dip your toe in rather than go for
2: the full full package you can dip your toe and see what see what you reckon So we wanted to say a massive thank you to you guys for supporting the podcast. Um, If you've told your friends about us, listened to us, left us a nice review, um, you know, supported us in any way. We appreciate it so, so much. We wanted to say a special thank you to Ben Bonsi, Chloe Markey, Ben Aitken, Phil Witten, and our voiceovers that have uh, been amazing this series, Tom Andrews and Tom Turner.
4: (laughs) yeah thank you guys very much appreciate it and thank you to you guys for listening to us supporting us this series we know it's been a bit different not doing the visual but um, your support has been amazing and
0: uh, yeah it's been some very lovely words set by you guys and let me just say uh, a massive well done to both you boys Tom and Ben you smashed at this series and to you uh, it's been a long one but a fun one a different one and a fresh one and we'll come back uh, fighting you know yes we will and before we go are you going to give Ben the point for rattling me with his uh, huh. interesting facts? Um, do you know what? Because it's the end of the series. You both get a point. <laughs> 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 I, and if anybody's counted up the points, that are, that'd be very interesting to hear. Because I haven't. Well, we haven't at all. So, yeah,
4: let, do let us know. And yeah, we'll be back next series. And I know people will say about this episode, there's no riddles, but Dan's kind of done ri- alieny riddles throughout the episode. So, hopefully, that's been enough for you guys. But he'll be back stronger, bigger and stronger. Making riddles great again next series.
0: But let me let me leave you with a little quote, if you don't mind, oh, oh, before yeah. we before oh, we wrap nice. up. Um, and this is from uh, uh, the wonderful man Sir Arthur Charles, who was an English science fiction writer, a science writer, a futurist, oh. inventor, undersea explorer, uh, and he co-wrote the screenplay for the 1968 film 2001: A Space Odyssey, widely regarded as one of the most influential films of all time. Oh. And he says, two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. I like that.
2: Oh, I like that.
4: I like that a lot. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and like we always say for the final time for this
2: series, we say this all the time. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm, well, unless it's running around with uh, wranglers and rustlers. Yeah, clapping cheeks. Doing, yeah, clapping cheeks. Naruto. Running your way into a whole host of trouble. Yeah. Uh, losing your paradise. That hopefully was taken out. I oh, know, that's going to be there.
0: That's going to you... be in there, yeah. boy.
2: Jurassic Park.
0: Alien yeah. cheese toasties when you're 24 years old. Yeah. Oh. And
4: eating right. them the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, all the best to Pip. See you soon. Oh, the cheese! The cheese!
4: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com upgrade.
0: I could murder a podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.